0: Always, always follow your intuition, follow that still small voice in your head, in your heart and do what it tells you to do. Because when you listen to the fears of other people, it's going to steer you in the wrong direction and only you know where that place is that you're supposed to go. Welcome back. It's
1: 2020 already, start of a new year and a new decade. I'm excited about this one. I'm personally feeling really good. I recently sent out an email saying how I have been in my healing cave. I've still been showing up for the podcast, but in a lot of other ways, I really have pulled back from the world in the last year and there was a lot of processing I needed to do personally and I feel like I'm coming out of the cave and into the light so watch out 2020 and the decade ahead I cannot wait for you. Which brings me to this episode you just heard that little introduction with Kate Crocco wow This one landed very personally with me and we recorded it at the end of 2019 and in truth, in many ways, it came just at the right time for me. It's really a thinly veiled therapy session for me. It sounds like an interview, but I got so much out of it. Kate challenged me to really move through one of my favorite excuses that was clearly holding me back, and that was, I just don't have enough time. I didn't have enough time last year, but it was because I was filling my time with the things that I didn't necessarily wanna prioritize, which led me to question, why was I doing that? Why did I say certain goals were really important to me and then fill my time up with other things so that I couldn't attend to them. Kate helped me really uncover and go deeper. I didn't do that in this conversation, but you'll see the beginnings of it. Which brings me to Kate. I've known her for a couple of years, and she's grown to be one of the wisest advisors I know. She's just written a book, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I got to read it. It's called Thinking Like a Boss, and it's about how you can uncover and overcome the lies that are holding you back from success. That's what we're talking about today. How are you blocking yourself, and what are the excuses that you may be attached to that are holding you back? You can find Kate over at her website, katecroco.com, and look out for her newly released book, Thinking Like a Boss. Let's dive in. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive, I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Kate, this is a total treat to have you on my show because I know you personally.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat and just getting to catch up with you a little bit beforehand and hear all the exciting things that we're doing
1: It's so exciting. Kate and I have known each other now for a couple of years, and just to watch Kate's growth through this period has been amazing. So I have been waiting for the perfect time to bring and share with you all, and
0: it feels like right now. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here. And honestly, I couldn't have done this whole book journey, mama journey, life journey without you. And your friendship, and just guidance the last couple of years.
1: Oh, you've been such a blessing in my life. But before we just like go on into how how grateful we are (laughs) for each other, I know obviously all about you, but the audience doesn't. So can we talk a little bit about you, Kate, and some of the background and some of where you've been? So can we start with the fact you're actually a therapist?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I am a psychotherapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, And I got my master's back in 2010 and started working in hospitals and agencies and ultimately knew that I wanted to have a private practice. But, you know, going to school for therapy, any type of mental health treatment, they don't teach you business. They don't give you the business background that you need to open a therapy practice. So For years, I felt afraid. I felt paralyzed. I asked myself the questions like, can I really do this? Do I really have the skills? Do I have the mindset to be able to handle a business? And through a whole bunch of series of events, there was a time in my career where I just felt like I have to do this now. I really don't have a choice. I felt really stuck. I felt like There wasn't any more room for growth. And, you know, at that time, I was working in an outpatient mental health agency. I was doing dialectical behavior therapy and working with individuals with mental health issues and also addictions. And I loved the client work. And that's what really kept me there doing the one on one therapy, running the groups. But I knew that I wanted something more and I knew that ultimately I wanted to really just do therapy because if any of you have a mental health background or um, know anything about the mental health world, when you are working at a hospital or an agency or an organization, most of the work is paperwork. It's notes its treatment plans phone calls referral work all of that kind of stuff and not a lot of one-on-one work with the clients and i knew that that's really what i wanted so i decided why not just start a website start researching and you know at that time i didn't have a lot of money to take a program or hire a coach Um, And I really didn't even know that that kind of stuff existed either. So I just sort of did it on my own. I started listening to some podcasts. I found some free resources online and little by little started to set up and lay the groundwork for the therapy practice. Yeah, the rest was sort of history. You
1: made that bold move out to having your own practice Can we learn a little bit more about that period in your life and Kate, the business owner slash therapist now in private practice? And because I know there was an evolution there as well.
0: Yeah. So I started, I ended up launching the therapy business and started it in September of 2014. And it was a really slow first couple of months. I just sort of assumed that clients would just start to come in and I really, really struggled with my mindset. And at the time, I didn't really know exactly what it was called. I just thought, all right, I'm sort of struggling with my confidence, struggling because maybe I don't have the right skills and started to just really start to work through these things myself using some of the techniques that I taught my clients, dialectical behavior therapy. And I started to put myself out there a little bit more. And little by little, the therapy practice grew. And by November, two and a half months later, my practice was completely filled for every Saturday, which was 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I was at a crossroads because at that time, working those 12 hours every Saturday, I was bringing in the same amount of money as I was at my nine to five agency job. Wow! So yeah, I knew that this is really scary, but this is my dream and I have to just take the leap. Like something deep within said, just do it. And I can still remember December 16th of 2014, handing in my resignation notice and saying, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I have this practice and I'm going to take it on full time. And I can still remember everyone's fear for me. Everyone was so afraid that I was making a mistake. I was leaving a steady paycheck. And I can remember that just like really feeding into my own fears.
1: Mm, I can only imagine. So when you started your own practice, you just started it on Saturdays and you kept the other job. So it was kind of like a little bridge period between the two. Mm-hmm. I assume these are people that love you and are close to you that were scared for you, that were were kind of putting that fear uh,
0: on you. Yeah. Family, my boss. P- yeah. People that were close and that were just concerned for me. Like I was making a wrong decision. Maybe I was going a little crazy or something, but they just they they didn't really see it and none of them were entrepreneurs either. So, I think you know, you and I are both in this great entrepreneurial community online where we see so many people, other people doing it, and at that time I really didn't have that support or that community. So, I felt really alone.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel you, Kate. And obviously that's how I met and connected with Kate people. Mm-hmm. But when I started my own business slash practice online, I was so swimming and all by myself. I was like a fish in a new lake all by myself. And it is scary. I can remember being at that part too. Mm-hmm. Obviously you make the leap. People are worried for you. How does it turn out?
0: it turned out great. <laughs> <I think laughs> it's what I've learned in this whole lesson of entrepreneurship the last 5 years is always always follow your intuition. Follow that still small voice in your head, in your heart and do what it tells you to do because when you listen to the fears of other people it's going to steer you in the wrong direction and only you know where that place is that you're supposed to go. Mm. I think that's
1: such a crucial message to highlight, right? I just think that noise of the world and the noise of the people who love us, you know, their opinions are loud. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really hard to stay connected or driven by our own inner voice or intuition.
0: Totally. And I always just say to myself, like, I have to live my own life So I have to make the decision that I'm going to live with that is going to feel good for me because yeah, other people may think that something is best for you, but they're not living your life for you and you have to just do it for yourself. Mm. And sometimes no one else is going to believe in you but yourself and that's okay. I think that's a really
1: important point. I want to come back to it but that no one else is going to believe in you, you know, sometimes no one else believes in you but you. I'm totally going to come back to that, Kate, but I want to talk more about how you evolved in your coaching practice to opening up to doing some business coaching and then becoming
0: a mom too. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So after starting the therapy practice and taking that big leap, you know, so many people were afraid for me but then i had all of these people who were so excited for me people who maybe also had that dream of starting their own business in the future or going out on their own or pursuing some other big mission in the world and i had so many people coming out of the woodwork connecting with me and just saying like hey how did you start your business how did you do this like how did you find the courage to make this happen and I started having coffee dates with people, hopping on the phone with people, because I was starting to feel so fulfilled in the work that I was doing, and I knew that I made the right decision. So I wanted to spread this message and give all of this information to as many people as possible, because I felt like if I could do this, they could also do this. Um, So I started to overload my schedule and help all of these other people. And then realize that I was starting to feel a little bit burned out, which was not good because I was a brand new business owner and I needed to keep the momentum going. I needed to be able to persevere and keep this business going. So I knew that I needed to start setting boundaries and At that time, I had another friend who had just opened her therapy practice, and we started chatting with each other and said, hey, it would be really cool if we could take everything that we learned along on this journey, package it, and put it together, and share it with other people. And rather than us both like booking all of these free coffee dates and spreading ourselves so thin, why don't we do this really big workshop in New York City and invite people to come, and they pay a small fee. And we present them basically with this private practice in a box. Like here are all of the resources that you need in this two and a half to three hour workshop. And we ended up putting that on um, summer of 2015, which we had almost been in private practice for about a year then. And it was so successful. And there, there were about 21 people who came and I would say most of those people have full and thriving practices to this day.
1: So then you start realizing how much joy you're getting out of helping others set up their businesses. Right. Kate?
0: Yes. I was so lit up. I was like, Oh, I thought I found my calling having this therapy practice, but I actually think that I want to do, I want to take it like that next step further and I want to do something else. So I had other business owners, not just therapy owners, coming to me and saying, How do you deal with the struggles of entrepreneurship? How do you deal with feeling let down, feeling like you don't know how to step out and talk about your services, feeling frustrated with clients and handling tough situations? And I just started to do the same thing that I did before help people for free. And then once I felt really sort of confident and able to know that I could help them, I then started charging for that. And I started calling it mindset and confidence coaching. And that's where I am today, doing mindset and confidence coaching with business owners. You became a mom in there as well. And
1: I think this is an important point to uh, touch on here because You are another person I know that ended up with two babies under two. My two babies were uh, 21 months apart. Yours are even closer, right?
0: 19. (laughs)
1: When you told me you were pregnant, Kate, with your second child, I knew Kate when she had her first child and she mentioned she was pregnant with her second. I was like, oh, Kate, Kate.
0: (laughs) I felt like you were one of the only people who could get it because uh, having two under two is, it's not easy. So how old
1: is your baby now?
0: My baby baby is 13 months today.
1: Oh my gosh. She's 13 months. I just think it's important to put this in context because we're going to be talking a little bit more about managing your time and your life is full right now. And it has been incredibly full for these last few years. Would you say that?
0: Oh yeah. I actually, (laughs) oh yeah. It I tell people that today is the most amount of time you will ever have. So go and do what it is that you want to do because you'll never have more time than you have today. And that's something that has just remained true in my life. And it's really helped me manage this whole time piece and the lie of feeling like there isn't enough time because it's only gotten more full. Like I remember thinking back, like being in that moment of having the therapy practice and launching the coaching business and feeling like I have no time. I'm working around the clock. And today my life is 10 times more full and we managed to get it done. And I'm sure you can relate to that too with the kids being a little bit older now. And I'm sure they have after school activities and things that you're carting them to
1: I totally can relate. Yes, I can totally understand the life being full. And that's why I felt like it was such an important conversation to have with you because you're in the midst of living it. Like I know that you are a big follower of Marie Folio's work and I've said this on the podcast before, but when I was starting my business, I uh, went to B-School, which is an online business program. And I think in one of her first sessions, she opened with, we all have enough time. And I wanted to literally mm. like pick up my computer and smash it on the ground. I was so mad as I had these two little babies that just constantly felt like they needed something from me. And I really did feel time poor, but I was able to just, I was just yelling at Paul Marie because I was like, she doesn't have my life. Whereas like talking to you, I'm like, yeah, okay. I can't yell at Kate and say she doesn't have my life because she does have that that added responsibility that is motherhood that I think can sometimes, or parenthood, it doesn't necessarily need to be motherhood, but it does definitely like squeeze our
0: schedules. Totally, totally. And my biggest fear actually before having children was having children. I, don't think- <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of, and I think like,
1: we're not trying to set you all up for having that fear people. We're not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And I honestly wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids because at that moment i said, I don't have enough time. And I literally used to frantically run around the house and say to my husband, but there's just not enough time. Cause he'd say, why don't you take Turbo out for like two walks a day? And I would lose it. <laughs> there is not enough time to walk the dog two times in a day. You have no idea what it's like. And then he said to me, "What's going to happen someday if we have children?" And it was loving. It wasn't in. It wasn't condescending, or it, it really just came from the heart. And I knew that he meant it in a loving type of way. And that really stuck with me. And I thought, I don't know, maybe I really don't want kids then.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't have time for that.
0: (laughs) I definitely didn't think I had time for that.
1: Before we move forward, I want to come back to this point that you said that sometimes you're the only one that will believe in your dream. Mm. Can we talk about that a little bit more? And those times where you had to be the one that was the cheerleader for your own dream?
0: Hmm. I think what's been the most helpful for me is just knowing and telling myself that sometimes your dreams are going to sound really crazy, but you get it. Like you can envision it in your mind and no one else can see that. And no matter how big and crazy that it sounds, just say it out loud. Because if you don't tell anyone, it's never going to happen.
1: Ah. Oh. I love that so much and I get it because I feel like one of my privileges of being a coach is that people share with me their most personal dreams. Mm. And I can remember the time where I said out loud to my husband some of my audacious goals. And I felt so vulnerable because I wasn't sure that other people could understand or see my dream. And I still to this day don't think that other people necessarily would have or do see how I'm going to make my path. But I've continued on that path. And I just, I'm thinking of a client I had the other day, and I could just see that hesitation before she told me what her dream was
0: Mm. because it's really scary to say our dreams out loud. Oh, it's so scary. I actually talk about this in the book, and we can get into it a little bit more later, but just about the power of embarrassing yourself Mm. and just saying, what feels, cause you know, that feeling, it's like that, that, that nightmare that you have that you go to work without clothes on. I don't know if I'm the only one who <laughs> has that, but I guarantee other people have had that dream before and you just feel so exposed. And I can remember this point where I had shared with like maybe one close friend, Hey, I'm like thinking about writing this book, you know, dancing around the subject. And we were out, to eat with some other business friends. And she was like, how's the book writing going? And I turned beet red, almost fell off my stool, spit my drink out. I was so embarrassed. And I remembered at that point, like looking back now, I just have to embarrass myself. I have to just get over that piece of feeling afraid to get it out, feeling the embarrassment, feeling like I'm exposed. Because once that happened, Once I felt so embarrassed, I was able to move forward and I started telling everyone and it didn't feel so scary anymore.
1: Mm. I want to talk about that book. It's called Thinking Like a Boss and it's out, what's the date it's out, Kate? February 18th. So this is released in January. So February 18th, right after Valentine's Day, people, you'll get your
0: book. It's a book all about mindset, right? all about mindset. So I go through the top 12 lies that I personally have experienced in business. All of my clients have experienced, and these are the ones that, I mean, there's literally hundreds of lies that we tell ourselves, but these are the top 12 that I've just seen consistently over and over again with my clients and the top 12 that I've really personally struggled with.
1: Oh my gosh. And when I was lucky enough to um, have a read of Kate's book early, I was like, oh, I need this book as my manual because I feel like they're lies that we continue to stumble across in life, even as we up-level and get to the next stage.
0: Yes. Yes. I always say, if you are not experiencing one of these lies right now, you most likely are not moving forward because the more that we move forward, the more they're going to come up. And that's not a bad thing at all when we're sitting still and when we're comfort, when we're feeling comfortable in the moment and we're feeling content and we're not working towards our dreams, that's most likely when we're not going to experience them. So, you know, as they say, new level, new devil, it's not a bad thing when they come up because it just means you're moving forward.
1: Oh, I love that. The stretching the comfort zone, new level, new devil. That's good, Kate.
0: Thanks.
1: (laughs) Uh, To give People are a little bit of a sneak peek. I, I stole a couple out. Some of the lies, but you'll have to get the book to get all 12, are things like, I'm not ready to start, which you talked about how when you made that leap, you obviously came up against that lie. It's all been done before. When we're thinking about our big dreams, I think that one really resonates with me. Mm. And this one, I'm not qualified or smart enough. Mm. Whoa.
0: I see these lies in my clients too. Yeah, and I think no matter where you are, whether you are a business owner or you work for, you work in the corporate world, like everyone experiences each and every one of this li- these lies at some point in their life.
1: So, in terms of the book, when you're addressing the lies, and we touched on this earlier, but you mentioned the therapeutic model that underpinned your work. And that you took into your private practice. And I know that the book, you've used the same model because as you said, it was what you used to get through challenging your own confidence and helping to grow your ability to become a successful business owner. So can you tell us a little bit more about that therapeutic
0: model and what it was again? Yeah. So when I was in grad school, I was trained in something called dialectical behavior therapy or DBT which is a skills-based treatment that is very easy for people to learn and people to use. And I found, you know, when I was in grad school and after grad school and starting my business, I really clung to each and every one of those skills because they felt so easy to grasp in the moment. I think that often when we're going through something, we think we need like years of therapy or years of all of these other complicated steps that we need to take in order to find relief in the area. But DBT is really just an easy way to help you get through the moment. And after you practice these skills over and over again, they really become a part of your life. And I know this sounds like the typical therapist, cheesy <laughs> lingo, but they really do become a toolbox. and Something that you can just really keep in your back pocket. And when you're experiencing something, you pull one of these out and you start working on whatever that is that you're experiencing. So in DBT, there are four different modules. There's interpersonal effectiveness. So interpersonal effectiveness really gives you the skills to help you Be more assertive in your relationships. Speak up for what it is that you want. Set boundaries with people. And as business owners, we need this skill. This is probably one of the most crucial skills that we need to have as a business owner, especially the boundaries piece, which we can get more into later. Then there's distress tolerance. How to handle the stress And the distress of being a business owner or to get through the distress of life and how to find quick and easy ways to help you just work through times that you feel like you can't tolerate stress or you can't tolerate pain. Then there's emotion regulation. How can we manage our emotions each and every day so that we don't have big meltdowns? And I know, you know, specifically as a business owner, It's very easy to have the ups and downs, to feel like one moment you're on top of the world, the next moment your life is over, your business is ending. So, really being able to take hold of your emotions and sort of see like the big picture of your emotions. So, something that I use with my clients is in dialectical behavior therapy, we call it a DBT diary card. And it's something that you use to really track all of your daily habits. And what this really does is this helps you go back when you do have a day where maybe you're feeling really anxious or you're feeling a little bit down. You can go back in your diary card and see what were those triggers or vulnerabilities leading up to this moment today. Maybe you weren't sleeping enough. Maybe You weren't eating properly. Maybe you were really isolating yourself and not taking any time for yourself. So I adapted that and I use that with my coaching clients now and I call it my success tracker. I just an easy little term to call it, but I find that really helpful too. And then the last piece of dialectical behavior therapy is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So that can be different for everyone. That can be prayer. That can be just sitting in gratitude. That could be something like yoga it can be meditation, whatever you want to make that for yourself, but really just having a space where you can go inward and really unplug from the demands of the world and the demands of business and just be for a moment.
1: So I love, I like those four pillars. They make a lot of sense to me. So have you applied this kind of
0: lens to each of the lies in the book? I use dialectical behavior therapy as really the foundation of the book and the foundation of everything I teach, but each chapter doesn't specifically have an exercise from dialectical behavior therapy. A couple of them do, but some of the exercises in the book were just things that I've just sort of come up with myself while working with clients.
1: One of the lies in the book, which we've already been talking about, and as a working parent I absolutely feel is 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 the actual lie the way it's listed in the book I do not have enough time yes because I am just chuckling because I feel like this is one i'm I'm very attached to, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at it so Kate, there's a line in the book that I picked up that said something along the lines of we're taught that we never have enough time, and I feel that like I feel like it's become a societal norm to say like we're running out of time i don't have enough time like we accept it from each other that we're all crazy busy and no one ever has enough time do you think because it's so normal to blame time that we use it as more of an excuse is it an easy out
0: oh yes totally an easy out i recently heard someone this really really struck me i can't remember where it was but i think it was a podcast and It was a faith-based podcast and they were talking about different things that we struggle with that we don't always wear in our chest. So like say someone is struggling with alcoholism, we don't run around church or wherever your community is saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, like sort of like wearing it as a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Or if you're struggling with something more to that effect, but with time and being busy, we wear this as a badge of honor and like we brag about it almost like I don't have enough time, I'm so busy because I have all these things going on and it just really hit me.
1: I feel like Brene Brown says that same thing around how, is that her quote, like that we wear busy as a badge of honor? I feel like I've seen that as a meme because it's so true. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, even though we say we don't want that for our lives, it's better to be busy than than not have enough to do sort of thing. And I do think there is still this element of, it's good that if you're over busy, you're doing something right. At least you must be productive,
0: yes. right? Yeah. And that we need to fill every single minute of our day with something. And I am guilty of this at times still. In terms of the book, you struck
1: me and I felt
0: like you were talking
1: to me when you were talking about that, I would do blah if only I had enough time and insert anything you want where I just put blah. I would I would work out if only I had more time. <laughs> I would write my book if only I had more time. I would start my business if only I had more time. Do you feel like this is usually like we just, we're talking about an excuse, but also is it hiding a block
0: usually? Yes, it's an excuse. First of all, I like to say that. I know people don't like to say the E word, but I really do think it's an, <laughs> it's an excuse for something else. And what, so let's just go to the exercise one because I am so guilty of this one up until recently. For years, I used to carry around the guilt of feeling like I don't have enough time to work out. I have so much going on. And when, people would say like, oh, do you exercise? I would feel so guilty about it. And then it was actually just this summer, I stopped myself and I realized I hate exercising. I really don't like to exercise. I don't want to work out. Why am I blaming being busy and using that as an excuse for why I'm not exercising? Why can't I just own it and say, I hate exercising. I don't want to do this. (laughs) It's not a priority in my life right now.
1: I absolutely love that. And (sighs) I feel like I learned that lesson not very long ago, and I'm not even sure where I picked it up from, but that idea of actually looking at the things you're not doing. And rather than saying like, oh, I don't have time, literally looking at them and going, you know, exercising is not a priority for me right now. Taking care of my health is not a priority for me right now. You know, whatever it might be going to volunteer is not a priority for me right now. And seeing how you feel when you say that, like, does it trigger something in you? Did it make you want to exercise, Kate? Or did it make you realize that, no, truly exercise is not a priority for me right now?
0: No, the craziest thing was, it was so liberating to say, I hate exercising. I don't want to exercise. It's not fun to me (laughs) that I started exercising once I (laughs) owned it. And I realized, wow, once I was able to just say like, I don't want to do it. It's not a priority I felt like a rebel and I felt like, oh, if I don't have to do it, then maybe I actually want to do it. Mm. And I joined a gym because I felt like this is totally up to me. I don't have other people telling me what to do now. I get to do what I want to do. So I'm gonna join a gym and I'm gonna see what works for me because I know it's good for my health. So I started taking yoga classes. And then, like, listen to this, Kate. I got wild and crazy yesterday, and I had a personal training session, and I loved it. Oh my gosh, that is
1: so awesome. I love it that, like, once you really looked at the underlying part of this and stopped blaming time, you set yourself free. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like this is the harsh version of me and the harsh coach in me that I don't very often say out loud. But often when I feel like I'm hearing these kind of lies come back to me as a coach, something like, "Oh well, I just don't have enough time for that." There's a part of me that just wants to scream from the rooftops. Or, mm-hmm. well, how bad do you want it? Because yes. if you don't have enough time for it, then you're telling me you don't really want it that badly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it is not a priority if you cannot find the time for it. If you want it badly enough, You will make the time to make it happen. So if you want to start that business, if you want to get into better health, if you want to find the love of your life and have a successful relationship, if it really means that much to you, you will make the time. You will learn to cut other things out in your life that maybe aren't serving you or maybe are just... You're just using them to fill time and you will find the time. There is more time out there. You look at all of these uh, like billionaires and really successful people and thought leaders in the world, and they all exercise. They all read. They all listen to podcasts. They all do all of these things. And I used to get so angry when I would hear about these successful people doing all these things because I used to think. But how do they have time? Like, I don't have time for that. And again, I flipped it and I realized, oh, it's just a really big priority for them to be able to fit these things in. So maybe they wake up a little extra early in the morning. Maybe they go to bed a little bit later in the evening. Maybe they don't watch Netflix or, you know, engage in these other activities that aren't so life giving. So I know that if something, is that important to you, you will make the time to make it happen.
1: I think that leads really nicely into if you're not making the time for something and it is really important to you, that's what we've been talking about, those blocks. Like if something matters to us and we're not doing it, what might be getting in the way?
0: Mm. That's a really good question. I think that oftentimes people are actually afraid of getting what it is they want let's just go to the whole book thing. Cause like you and I have been on that journey together. Yes. So maybe someone is saying, I don't have enough time to write the proposal, but they really, really want to be a published author. Like they want to make this happen. I would ask them, what are you really afraid of? If you were to write that proposal, put it out there in the world, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of it being rejected Are you afraid of people not accepting it? Are you afraid of it actually working? And you actually become a published author and how that will actually change your life. Because I think for a lot of people, when they feel like, I don't even have enough time to handle what I have right now. How could I handle success in the future? And that's actually Mm -hmm. the last chapter of the book is I can't handle success because that's something we all struggle with all the time. If I don't have the time today to do these little things, how will I ever have the time to launch a book, to go and speak, to do a book tour, to do all of these things that come with being an author?
1: Mm, So yeah, we sabotage our own success because there's a part of us that doesn't want it because we don't believe we can handle it. Exactly. It's just so interesting to me. That's such a great question. What are you really afraid of? so i think that's a that, i mean it's a takeaway from today like if you're not doing the things that you say you really want then turn it around and look straight at your fear and ask mm-hmm. what am i really afraid of because yeah. you're not going to get through that block and you're going to keep blaming time forevermore more unless you really face it and look at it in the eyes
0: totally and maybe for someone that's a relationship you know getting into a loving committed relationship because they're fearful of maybe it turning out to be the way that the last relationship was or Mm -hmm. afraid of it not working out in the future. When
1: we've uncovered our fears, Kate, how do we dismantle them? Is part of of dismantling them just looking at them and questioning
0: them? Mm -hmm. I think just saying them out loud and taking little steps each and every day to get you closer like taking consistent action. I always say consistency is what grows confidence. Mm. So in order to work through that fear, we have to do something mindfully, intentionally every single day to get us even further away from that fear. Oh,
1: so so true. So true. Okay. I want to ask you some intermission questions, Kate. Are Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. What does that morning look like for you? Have you always been a morning person?
0: Always. My friends growing up would be so annoyed at me at sleepovers because I would wake up before everyone else and I'd open the curtains and I was always so excited and happy to start the day. I'd say, good morning, sunshine. And they were like, Kate, please close the curtains, go back to bed or like go somewhere else.
1: I think I would have I've felt like that about about teenage Kate. Trying to wake me up. <laughs> so that was very perky, Kate.
0: <laughs> yes, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> what is on your bedside table at the moment? Can you remember?
0: Yeah. So I have been on this kick of really trying to add more intentionality into my life and going through all of the things in my house and throwing away, giving away, selling things that I really don't use and I don't need. Have you so- been Marie Kondoing? sort of (laughs) this was more inspired by one of the one of my neighbors a couple blocks away um who's an interior designer who is really good at organizing and i'm just so inspired by her and like seeing what she does and how she like hides things and how everything just feels so clutter free in her home so after having a play date with her the other day i came back and i was so inspired I took everything off of my nightstand and all I have on my nightstand now is a lamp. That's it. Oh, that
1: is amazing. I have like a lot more stuff on my nightstand. That's good. I need to, maybe I need to take some inspiration from you. Uh, What is your favorite self care activity, Kate?
0: Favorite self care activity. Okay. I would say I love to read, but it's really hard for me to read at my house. Because I get distracted with all the things and, you know, the disaster of little ones around. So I love for self-care being able to read a book in the car or read a book at someone else's house.
1: Oh my gosh. I can that is so interesting. The car. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. That's okay, Kate. That changes as your kids get older because now your kids will be my kids are distracted for a little period now. So I can mm. get a little moment like that. It will come. It will come. Thank you. A book that has touched you on an important point in your life. Do you have a favorite or one that steps, stands out as like, that was an important book when I read it? Yeah. So
0: I actually talk about this book in my book, Thinking Like a Boss, The Power of Broke by Damon John. He is the uh, CEO of FUBU. He was on Shark Tank. He wrote a he wrote The Power of Broke again, um, which is a book that's really, it really talks about, um, He takes all of these millionaires and really successful people in the world and these are people that started with absolutely nothing Mm. and got to where they were today. And he just talks about how sometimes we're almost at an advantage when we start with nothing and we have to get really creative with money. We have to get really creative with resources and how to get to that next place. And it was just so inspiring to hear his story of how he started with nothing. He had... Um, you know, his, his father wasn't around, his mom, you know, worked all of these different jobs to provide for him and just how he got to where he is today. Book blew me away. I'll never forget it.
1: I'm going to have to read it. It sounds oh, inspiring so it sounds it's like it will so help good. with
0: the mindset and the belief factor. Hmm. I had to include it in my book and actually I need to get him a copy. I need to somehow find a way to deliver him a copy of this book.
1: You do. You need to work on that. What's a life lesson that took you a good while to learn, Kate?
0: I'd say like, I know it sounds silly, but just going back to the whole theme of time, like knowing that there is always enough time for something that's a priority. If it means that much to me, I will make it happen. And I've just learned that the more and more um, I've been on this motherhood journey, this entrepreneurship journey, it's just... Become even more apparent for me.
1: Mm. What is one thing in your day that you can't do without? Coffee. Ah, uh, we'll just leave that one there.
0: Yeah. How would you describe the soul? The soul. I when when I saw that question, I immediately just came to mind as eternal.
1: Oh, eternal. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. So everlasting. I'll take that. Forever. And final question, Kate, for the intermission, what does fulfillment mean to you?
0: So when I see the word or hear the word fulfillment, I just have a picture in my mind of, and it's very simple. Like when I, I, okay, I'll just, I'll share it first and then I'll go into it. So I think of my husband, the two baby girls and our dog turbo and us just sitting on the floor and playing together. And When things feel scary in life, in business, with what we have going on behind the scenes, I always say to him, my husband, just remember, even if we lost everything, we still have each other. Mm. And that's the most important thing. And that's fulfillment for me.
1: Oh, that is so beautiful. We still have each other. couple more questions just to wrap up today, Kate. How can our listeners get away from blaming time and become more proactive when it comes to doing the things that they say they want to do? I
0: would say, just ask yourself, what is it that you want? What is holding you back? Why are you doing some of the things that you're doing right now that you really don't want to do? Mm. And we didn't, I don't think we really got into that, but I think it's so important that we look at our lives we look at our schedules and we st- we start to set more boundaries and something that the listeners can actually do today which will help them find more time and have more peace and make more space for the things that they want is to look at their calendar to look at their life and just say what are three things that i can cut out of my life or my business right now in this moment and you know, oftentimes it might be a habit, something that you're doing that really isn't serving you anymore. Maybe it's a relationship. Sorry, sometimes we have to end friendships. Sometimes they're not serving us and they're just causing us headaches. And sometimes that's even family we have to take breaks from. And then sometimes it's something in your schedule. Like what have you committed to that maybe you really don't need to moving forward? I think that, again, we tend to fill whatever little containers of time we have with just things that we have to do. So how can you just start to cut more things out? So pick three things and cut them out.
1: Oh, I like that. It's like more accountability around your time. When I think back over my last year, one of the habits that I cut out was just, I used to stare aimlessly at my cell phone for the first hour of my day because Mm. I'm not much of a morning person. And when I was stepping back from my life and analyzing how I was using my time, I was like, this is a shocking use of my time. I could be cleaning up my house. I could be getting laundry started for the day. There are so many other things that could give me the step up on my day that i I wasn't doing. And it was because I had this kind of sneaky habit that had snuck up on me and was literally sucking up my time.
0: That's so good. I think so many people struggle with that. Something I, someone recently showed me was on Instagram. If if Instagram is like the thing for you, you can set it so that once you've been on there for the amount of time you allot that you want to spend on it each day, like it gives, it sets an alarm off and just reminds you, like you've already been on here for this amount of time. Log off and don't go on anymore.
1: Yeah. Get off Instagram, people. Get (laughs) off Instagram. It's sucking up your time. Ah.
0: Kate, one final question.
1: If you were to leave the listeners of Here to Thrive with just one thought for today,
0: what would it be? Why are you doing what you're doing right now? Do you really want to be doing what you're doing? And this might not be like the most uplifting. way to end it. But I think this question is really important. And I like to leave people with questions because I want you to take it and go and think and process. But the things that you're doing right now in this moment, do you want to really be doing them? Or do you think that you need to do them, you should be doing them, or you have to be doing them? And if that's your answer, find a way to stop So that you can allow more space, free up more time to welcome in the things that you really, truly want and desire in your life and business.
1: So much covered there. Like I said, this was the beginning of a personal breakthrough for me, a breakthrough in which I really started to look at what was driving that simple excuse. I don't have enough time for that in my life. What was I scared of? What was I afraid of? And I found that when I stepped back and looked those fears right in their eye, they were nowhere near as scary as I thought they were. And I really feel like just starting this conversation helped me to unlock that in myself. So, very grateful for Kate. And also, so excited about this book, Thinking Like a Boss. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I have read it from cover to cover. Her advice is simple yet challenging, and it will help you uncover the blocks in your own life. It'll help shine a light onto what you might be doing that is sabotaging your success and more importantly, why. I encourage everyone I know to get a copy of this book, especially if you are holding on to dreams and hopes that you want to move forward through. I will be sending it to all of my entrepreneurial friends But even if you're not an entrepreneur, there are so many reasons that we hold ourselves back from success. And this book will help you push through that. As I mentioned earlier, you can find Kate Crocco at her website, katecrocco.com. Thinking Like a Boss is available wherever good books are sold. So check out wherever you get your book from. It is going to be released on February 18th. So you may have to pre order, but this one's worth the wait. Next week, you're going to have an episode with me. I'm going to be talking about the different ways we can approach our work, whether it is a job, a career, or a calling for us, and how we can bring more satisfaction into how we show up and do our work in the world. So stay tuned for that the week after next. Till then, beautiful people, you can leave me a review. They matter immensely, whoever knew how much they mattered, and I read every single one, so thank you, but I also want you to just keep thriving. Keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving.